0: Elegant Weapon, but a more
1: civilized age. Yo, this is Greg Capullo, man, and you're listening to Elegant Weapon. And you know who the biggest elegant weapon is? I can't tell you where it's located, but it's uh, got something to do with me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 330. My name is Jay, J.M. Clark, Jay the Jedi, Ross, uh, Ross, Jedi, Jane. and as always, it's so wonderful to have all you beautiful babies back here with me in the L5J studios. This week on the show, I welcome writer Travis Gibb. Travis is a very cool guy, and we had a super fun conversation. He is the writer of Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies, as well as a contributing writer to Dog Days, both of which have Kickstarters active and live as we speak. And you should all go check those out. We talk about those, his work, uh, lots of cool stuff, actually. He's also a preacher, and we get a little bit into the discussion of religion, which doesn't happen too often, so that was fun. But we talk about lots of cool stuff, and it was really cool to get to know Travis a bit. I hope you enjoy getting to know Travis a bit. So please enjoy my conversation with comic book writer, Mr. Travis Gibbs. As we were just discussing, uh, our mutual friend, Mr. Kevin Joseph, where did you meet Kevin? Uh,
0: So I met him at Supercon, I think, in Tampa. Um, Yeah, Supercon in Tampa, and we talked for like an hour. I didn't really talk to anybody else but him, and we just talked about his book. Um, Carl Molin did a cover of mine, um, and he worked on Tarte Issue 6, the shark one. Right, right. Yeah, so he's a friend of mine. He did my cover. He did one of my alt covers for Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies. Um, and so we just had a mutual friend. So we had that mutual connection. So once we started talking, we started hitting it off and just working from there. I love the guy. I back everything he does. He backs everything I do. We just mad love.
1: That's awesome. So Florida seems to have quite the scene down there with like Megacon and everything going on. How is it as far as the artist's point of view with the community there?
0: Uh, Yeah, we do really well. I mean, the problem is there's too many cons. Uh, There's a lot, a lot of shows and a lot, a lot of options. So there's a lot of mini cons and a lot of stuff. So you don't know what to go to to make the proper money. So you got to meet everyone and talk to everybody and figure out what everybody's going to. So that's kind of the pain of it. But other than that, the scene's really good. And we've got some, so many talented people here Um, and not just in the indie scene, but in the pro scene, because remember cross gen, when they were a thing, yeah made everybody lived down here i don't know if you know that but to be part of crossing you had to live in florida that was a rule. oh
1: i did not know that
0: yeah so everyone who went to went there had houses in here of course some of them have moved back and some but a lot of them are still here um so that's crazy so we have a lot of pros uh all over the place as well
1: uh it, it sounds like it's very similar to the toronto area here where we have the same issue as far as shows there's so many big ones and so many small ones all over the place, right It's exactly as you say it. It gets very difficult for artists and writers and people who are setting up at shows to know which ones to do to you know which ones are gonna be profitable, especially when you can't bank on every show. You could have three great years at one show, go to the same show the next, then the fourth year you you totally like bust out, you know.
0: Yeah, well, and you think because Florida is such a big state and we have four major cities, which I don't think any other state really has that, right? So we have Miami, Orlando, Tampa, um, and Lesser Jacksonville, you know? Um, So we have all these major cities that we can go to and we're kind of sharing the audiences, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a big entertainment town too just with all the the parks and, you know, Orlando and, you know, all the – I guess the, how would I describe it? The Mouseketeer life.
0: (laughs) Well, and you get that too. There's people who come, and that's why you need to go to everything kind of, right? So if it's Mm -hmm. close enough to Orlando, you want to go to it because anybody on vacation who's really into comics, they'll take a day off their vacation from the mouse to go to a con. con. So you got to be careful on that and try to figure all that out. But it's it's tough.
1: It's got to be nice though when you can have cons year round. I mean, we do here, but obviously far less in the winter time uh even though Toronto Comic-Con itself is in March but that's like the little brother to the big Fan Expo Canada right so uh but I can't imagine living in a state that's just it's uh, I Sunshine all year round, man. It's it's really starting to sound nice in my older years, you know.
0: <laughs> now, uh it, it's nice. I'm I'm born and raised in New Hampshire, so I, I get the snow and uh, the weather weather changes, I'm having to wait outside uh, before the con opens in the freezing snow. And uh, well, you know, I miss uh, I don't miss that at
1: all. <laughs> so what what took you to Florida? I came down here for film school.
0: I wanted to be a, a film. Oh, director. yeah.
1: Right on. So that was the first, the first stream.
0: Yeah, that was the first stream. I came down here for film and video. I did that for a couple of years. Uh, But then I had a kid, um, and it really took all my time. Um, (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So I decided to be a dad instead. Um, And I broke into comics at that time, actually. It was like 2003. I did a a negative burn. I did a book called Government Bodies, which is done by Stephen Nilsson, which you probably never heard of, but he's the lead art director over at Aftershock um okay all right yeah uh and then a couple other little small anthologies back in the day so i did that early 2003 to 2005 and then i kind of fell off and i just i'm just coming back actually last year
1: okay right on I'm a big fan of aftershock around here our good friend mike ruth is often busting out the covers for aftershock nice uh, yeah good little uh organization going on over there um, you seem to do a lot, man, like, <clears throat> cause I was going through all your profiles and you've, you got several pages going on. So it seems like you've got your fingertips in a, in a few pies there. So straighten out for me, what all your endeavors actually are.
0: Yeah. None of that was intentional for the record. Um, I came out in 2017 with Burk Dead and Four Dead Bodies. Uh, and that was my plan, right? I was going to do four pages of four issues of that. And that was my, my plan. And it, did really well. Um we raised $4,000 on the Kickstarter, uh which is pretty good for someone who hadn't really talked about comics in like 6 months. That's Coming not bad
1: like, at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I
0: know a lot of people can't do that and I saw so I one of the things I like to say when I do these podcasts, I have a marketing degree and I run a marketing company. So <laughs> so please pay attention. I did a lot of work before it went live. So it's right. not li- I'm not an instant success.
1: <laughs> and that's what, what's, the, what's that company called? It's called Effects Agency. That's right. Okay. So that's Effects Agency. That's your marketing agency. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah. So, I, so I own that and I, that's what I do for a living. Um, I also am a preacher. So a lot of people find me under preaching because I uh, I preach. I, I'm a Christian. And, uh, even though if you – I know you read Broke Down in Four Dead Bodies – not look like someone coming from a preacher. See, I
1: had gotten that uh, inclination uh, about you from just seeing you on Facebook and stuff, and then you sent me all your material to read and review, and yeah, it I, I, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. And right. Yeah, there, there's no giveaway that a preacher had anything to do with any of that stuff. <laughs> Well, that's
0: the point, right? Like uh, my belief structure doesn't dictate fiction, right? Fun fiction. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, if you talk to me, I'll tell you about what my beliefs are. But I'm I'm writing stories that I want to see. I like Quentin Tarantino movies. I like the F word. So I'm not afraid to say.
1: Right. Share well, it's, it's interesting because most people who go far enough into their faith to actually get to the point where they're preaching – Usually their whole life is so filled with that philosophy and that spiritual intent that they can't help but let it bleed into everything else they do. So, you know, you see it often that it takes over. Like the more religious a person is, I usually meet, the more obviously it gets spilt into their work. But you seem to have a very clear separation of, you know, exactly as you say, your fun and fantasy and your, your your. Faith side, right?
0: Yeah, well, I I believe I'm I'm what's called a marketplace minister. So though I preach at churches periodically, I'm never going to run a church. My goal is never to run a church. But when you deal with the marketplace and you deal with business, you let people down and you screw people over and you talk a different thing because you're trying to preach to people who are out in the world, and you know they're not coming into the building to get a sermon. So you treat them as they are. So that's kind of what I do is I, I talk to people as I would talk to people. If you come over my house, it's no different than anything else, you know. I'm I'm religious, you know, I have those beliefs, but if you don't want to talk about that, let's talk about comics or whatever else. Right. Talk about Bash Trump, whatever you need to do. <laughs> well,
1: I hope you don't mind us chatting about it for a little bit because yep. I'm just – I'm curious. Like, so are you affiliated with any church or yeah, –
0: Yeah, I have a church called City of Refuge that I'm part of. Um, I run a, a ministry called uh, Breaking Walls and mm-hmm. what that is is it connects uh, businesses in, in the church because there's this disconnect, right, that when we do our business – and we're not supposed to do it for the church. And I think you can, but you also have to be mindful about what you're doing when you do the marketplace. You know, what's your intention? My intention is to serve customers, right, and do all things. That's great, but if you want to have your business impact, you know, God's kingdom, what are you doing? So I do a lot of nonprofit events. I do a lot of fundraising for nonprofits. I do a lot of free marketing for, for nonprofits. So that's that's how I give back and how I use, you know, my that's a
1: cool, man. that's a cool idea. You're almost like destructing televangelism back to uh, a pure intent. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like when, like a lot of these, you know, televangelists and big preachers and the ones you can tell are obviously out, you know, trying to make money and make right. their millions of dollars. Um, you know, that's that's a whole separate thing. It sounds like you're trying to, you know. I don't know what the word is, but it sounds like you're at least of pure intent is what I'm saying. Yeah, it, you know? yeah
0: it's, it's like this, and this is why a lot of people like me that I'm a preacher and I'm their preacher per se, even though they don't go to church. It's because if I really believe that he's the guy who I say think he is, then I don't really need to prove anything to you, Jason, right? Right, <laughs> like, right, I don't need right. to prove anything to you if I believe he, he rose from the dead. He's God, I believe he's God. Why do I need to prove that to you? If you want to talk about it, come talk to me. But
1: that's yeah, my yeah. job. <laughs> well, that's the epitome of uh, keeping your faith personal. Yet, yeah, of course, if somebody wants to share and you know be involved, that's a that's a whole other issue. If they come to you right. and are seeking that guidance or direction, it's uh, and it's it's growth. I think a lot of people forget how spirituality or religion for people is a journey. It's an evolution. It can go up, it can go down, it can go backwards, two steps forward. Right. You know, you can be time. Sure. There's times when you, when you question things and you struggle with your faith. And then there's probably other periods where you feel so rock solid, you know, in your ideas that, you know, nothing can get you down sort of thing. Right. It's, it's the same thing. Like, like me being kind of the opposite. I'm an sure. atheist. Sure. and, and okay. And I grew up in the church. I okay. grew up. I, I I led a church youth group at an Anglican church for about eleven years. Okay. And uh, and I was I was very very hardcore. And it went up and down. And you know I got older, and certain things happened. And as you know, people do, you start to question your faith. And you know, slowly things changed for me. But then when I kind of really was like. Made that decision a little later on in my life that you know I'm I'm an atheist I I I, I know what I believe in my head now, it, it's still even that has continued to evolve for me because there was a period where I was one of those hardcore guys I was one of those guys wasting too much time on Twitter arguing with you know other overly religious people who were probably wasting too much time on Twitter and just getting angry right. and just getting frustrated and that was getting. The conversation nowhere. It was getting me nowhere. And that's where I evolved to a point where you're kind of like what you're saying right now is I know what I believe. I don't need to prove that to anybody else. And, you know, part of the freedom of being human is believing whatever you want to believe as long as you're not doing harm to others. Right. And. And even, yeah, so I'm just saying, like, I got to that point, too, where I was like, you know what, it's not even worth the fight. Like, I don't think about it at all anymore. It used to consume me at times. And now I'm just like, you know what, if I believe what I do believe, this is a giant waste of time for me to be paying attention to anyways rather than making stuff or, you know, podcasting or whatever, right? Right. And it's
0: the the problem with religion as a whole is we we fail to be honest, right? So these people are put on pedestals and they make a mistake, and then we crucify them, but yet the book tells you not to, right? It's right. very frustrating for me. So instead of going into that world, I just ignore it and go, all right, I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, some resonate to it, so I get to preach in, the, in their churches. Some of them don't, and I get that as well. But I'm not afraid to say who I am, and I'm not afraid to, uh, you know, use the F word if I needed. it. I'm going to do whatever I need to do, whatever I'm called to do, and that's it. I'm good.
1: Well, it sounds like you've just reached a point in your life, also, where you just, you know, you're comfortable with you as who you are, which enables you. It gives you a certain confidence, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that's 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 a great thing because, like you say, often like people forget. As I say, it's a it, it's a journey. It's a, even you know through the Bible, like like monks. There's monks out there or priests out there who spend their entire lives studying the Bible, not just following it. Not just reading it, not just believing in it, but studying it. And this has caused people to maybe, you know, jump denominations or just form different ideas. And it's good for the brain. It's healthy right. to question oneself's own beliefs, even, right? And yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, that's cool because a lot of people. It, it 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 does bleed into other work because I have seen religious comics. Like, do you have you ever read any of those like religious comics out there? Uh yeah, I haven't read a good one yet, but uh, one day. <laughs> yeah, see, it's unfortunate, isn't it? See, there, Canada and religion have two things in common. They're very hard to make sound cool. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's very hard to have I
0: think that. The northern thing. thing. I think it's everyone up north because we came all we all came over from like the Mayflower and we were the the worst of the Christians. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> seriously, we were the, yeah, yeah. the insane ones who wanted to go across the continent to something we didn't even know exists because it's better than living under British rule, right?
1: So, oh, yeah. And
0: French rule. So we all came over here, and then the first thing we do is murder everybody. So clearly we didn't know what we were reading.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. My, my example is always like you, you got Captain America, and then you got Captain Canuck. Right. You know, and it's just the, the, the difference in cool there. I mean, not that I don't appreciate Captain Canuck, Richard, calmly. I love it. <laughs> Captain Canuck. It's very great. It's part of, you know, uh, it's, well, it's gotten to the point after decades of being, you know, kind of a Canadian classic thing, but it was always tongue in cheek. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. there's, there's, there's lots of amazing Canadian comics that are centered in Canada, but they're, you know, it's very hard to do something unique. It's very, cause you know, Canada's only got so many stereotypes, you know, it's the North, it's snow, hockey, lumberjacks, you know, <laughs> like where you can only go so far. Like even Alpha Flight's got a Sasquatch in it. You know what I mean?
0: Right. But if you get closer to Alaska, isn't there a whole place that's like really still Native American type, like where they don't really <clears throat> speak any language, like they speak their own language, they're not part of civilization. That stuff's well, right back. Yeah,
1: that's... <laughs> that there's there's lots of very cool stories about stuff like that. There's an anthology out of this area uh, put together by Andy Stanley, and it's mm-hmm. called Mo- it's called Moonshot, and uh, it's uh, it's I believe they're about to release or release the Kickstarter for volume three, but uh, volumes one and two are award winning across the board uh just critical smashes and they're they're basically uh aboriginal anthologies. Okay. They're all they're all stories by aboriginal artists and writers and it's it's stunning. It's it's really really unlike anything else out there that you have seen. It's uh <clears throat> and the stories in it themselves are all so unique and varied from each other. That uh, it, it's a beautiful thing. I highly, highly recommend it. I've been a big fan of it for a while. It's called Moonshot, and uh, yeah, that's the Inuit people. Basically, what we used to call Eskimos, Right. Uh, and that that became politically incorrect. And they're the Inuit people, and yeah, they're still up there living off you know whale blubber and
0: <laughs> doing their to, thing. I have to yell know? at my uh, my letter is Canadian, and he is my the best part of my one of the best part of my team. Like he's so encouraging. He's stuff. And he has not told me about any Canadian comics. So I don't know.
1: Whereabouts is he? He's and from uh, Montreal. Oh, who is this?
0: Uh Jerome Gagnon.
1: Uh not familiar?
0: Uh he's he does a letter. He's done a whole bunch of he's done a whole bunch of small projects. Uh probably the biggest thing was Telos. He did Telos uh, the Telos like anthology that a lot of people did. Um, okay. Mississippi Mud. Uh, he did uh, the Blood Chrome, Blood and Chrome. I can't think of the name. Blood Chrome and Skulls Kickstarter. So he's done a whole bunch of stuff. But that guy has been my godsend. He did the logo. He uh, he put it all together for me. He's he's really cool. How'd you hook up with him? Uh, just actually, believe it or not, looking for a colorist. He actually messaged me to be a colorist, and then was like, "Well, I guess I can do lettering too." And I was like. Oh, (laughs) and then we just became friends.
1: That's awesome. the internet's been a beautiful thing. It's, it's brought together so many amazing teams of creators that, you know, have put out entire comic books and have never met each other. You know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing. You're familiar with Morte then? Yeah, of course. Yeah. See, I'm, I, 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 you know, I have no shame about publicly taking a bit of credit for the existence of Morte. Oh, because it was Kevin Joseph hearing Dave Bishop on my show that made Kevin Bishop or Kevin Joseph go, "Ooh, uh, this guy's kind of cool. This guy sounds interesting, and I might want to work with this guy." So he checked out Dave's work and all that kind of stuff and was like, "This is, you know, this is exactly the guy for morte, the story that he had in his head, right?" Yeah. No, so, I really uh, liked
0: that. It was so cool to find him in the comic store, right? Not not at a con, but to pick it up at the comic store was so great.
1: Oh yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So, you know, that 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 you know, it's it's a cool thing that this comic podcast has helped spring to life a comic, uh, between two people that, you know, I consider very good dear friends. And uh and and it's not just they that got together and made a comic, it's the comic they made. Like it's right. a stunning comic. I mean Regular listeners have heard me go on and on about Morte, but kids, if you have a chance out there, get Morte. It's available at Sourcepoint Press, sourcepointpress dot com, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful one shot. You don't have to keep up with anything. Uh, it's a standalone story, and it's absolutely gorgeous. So, uh, as comic books, what brings you into the world of comics initially? Then, um, so it was really my lack of
0: being able to do film, <laughs> really, to be honest, you know. I, but like
1: when you were doing film and in school for that, were you already a comic book fan?
0: Oh, no. Yeah. So I've, I've been reading comics since I was 12 years old. I have about a comic store's worth of comics at my house. I've yes. ran comic stores. Um, I have – I've read ran two, one in New Hampshire, one here in Florida. Um, I read about $60 a week in comics with a 60% discount. So I get a giant stack. Um, of books every week. Uh, I love comics. I love the genre. I love everything about it. Uh, I love creating comics. I love the waiting for your art and getting it back and, and doing the whole stuff. So, comics are in my blood, man. I um, mean, I'm not one of those guys to uh, what I hate about people, indie guys, right? They go, I haven't read comics in years. So, I'm putting out this to bring back to what I, what I, what I used to like. No, there's a lot of amazing comics out there every day that you should be reading, not just indie stuff. Like I love indie, obviously I'm in the indie world, but there's some amazing stuff. Marvel and DC is doing some great stuff too. You know, you just give them a chance. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I pick up my stack every week and uh, sometimes I fall behind, but my still like, as much as I'm constantly pushing the indie creator and creator own stuff, and that's pretty much what this show is based on, around as far as the comic book side of it is you know my list every every month i'm well i go once a month i pick up my books once a month and i I sit down and read them all so i get my star wars justice league and batman okay And, and you know those are my three that always have been and always will be you know what i mean like even if it's a bad time i don't i don't give up on those ones you know
0: Yeah, no, I have a couple of those. That's my X-Men, and that's my Spider-Man. Like, I will never give up on them. I don't care who the writer is. I don't care what it is. I'm going to keep reading them.
1: Yeah, Spidey was my thing when I was younger. I think I was like 12 or 13 when McFarlane first took over and then started the new standalone Spider-Man series. And I went on for a while. I ended up selling those comics eventually, but I had from, like, the Chance issues, like 297 or whatever. Okay, All like, and then like, excuse me, I'd like the next 50 issues or something nuts. Excuse me. And, uh, then I ended up selling them because, you know, as a lot of people do, you're into comics up to you're like 13 or 14 and then you discover girls and all the fun stuff and you get out of comics till you get, you know, something brings you back in in your twenties or whatever. A lot of people will take like that, that high school gap because there's, there's just so many hormones and other stuff going on. So I was one of those guys. And then later on kind of fell back into it, but it was the Batman. It was, it, it was missing Batman that, that brought me back. Cause just reading those amazing stories, especially since the new 52 started too. like, I was a big fan of the new 52. I loved a lot of the stuff that came out of that. I thought, uh, you know, there were some misses, but enough hits that I was super happy with it. You know?
0: Yeah, no, I really loved, uh, I really loved the new 52. I love the relaunches. Um, like you said, some of them were, but like, Bat, for instance, you said Batman, I think, did you say Green Lantern too?
1: Uh, I didn't, but I'm a Green Lantern fan for yeah, sure. Yeah,
0: like Batman and Green yeah. Lantern really had no changes, right? They they just kind of continued. Everything else kind of got to change. You're reading Batman yeah. and Green Lantern, you barely missed anything. Nothing happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah, yeah. Batman, you, you just can't mess with that too much. So let's get into your comic All books right. then, because you seem to have several going on. So, I know uh let's let's start with the kickstarter tell me about the kickstarter All
0: right, well i have two kickstarters right now because I'm oh insane. you
1: see uh, yeah you are insane but i like it I, I like the insanity i didn't mean to
0: so uh let's talk about the <laughs> let's talk about dog days first because uh, i'm on that so uh have you uh, interviewed anybody from evelzine before i have not okay so evelzine is marcel dupree's uh publishing company um, he does about three Kickstarters a month. Uh, titles such as Armor, The Gentleman, um, uh, SFC, uh, a whole bunch of different titles that he's done.
1: And where are these guys based out of? Uh,
0: he's out of California, but his teams are everywhere. He does things throughout throughout everywhere. So he, he gathers teams from all over the place.
1: Okay, right on. Um,
0: so he had read, Broke Down in Four Dead Bodies. Uh, which is, come, we'll talk about coming up. Um, yep. And he, he had read it and was and had this book called Dog Days. Uh, someone had started the project and then couldn't finish it. So the artist was still attached and the artist was paid and asked me if I'd finish it. So I read the first 19 pages. It's not really my thing. I don't really like um, Zootopia Dogs, but the art is so beautiful. Right. And the universe is so unique. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Uh, So I decided to jump on board and uh, I've been working on this project. It's my first original graphic novel. So it's a complete story. Um, And it's kind of cool. So the first part is written by him. He wrote the guy, the uh, former writer. Uh, I can't even think of his name right now. I can probably look it up, but uh, he, uh, he wrote the first 18 pages. His name's Neil Presenal. He did space Heist of Vile and Quarty. Don't know. Did okay on Kickstarter. (laughs) Right Right on, right on. Um, but uh, he wrote the first 18 pages, and I wrote the other 90 uh, of the book. So I wrote the majority of the book. Uh, I really, in fact, kind of where his book left leaves off, I skip for, I do another 10 pages, and then I skip forward several months and kind of separate the two, uh, right. kind of make it my own own stuff. So that's that's what it is Dog Days is about. You know, a couple anamorphic dogs that are stuck into kind of a crime noir tale that pairs the two detectives trying to figure out who's who's in cults and people are getting skinned alive and they're trying to figure out what's going on. But it's kind of a mix between um, <coughs> Sin City and uh, Neil, Ga- Neil Gaiman's stuff. Cause I've got a lot of fantasy stuff um, in there and a lot of his style fantasy where I'm making that making this world make sense. So there's a lot of cool twists and turns.
1: I really enjoyed it. Yeah. At least what I got to read. I was, uh, I was, I was, I was quite happy with how much I enjoyed Dog Days. I, I really, really, I did something unique. It's, it's got a lot of ideas that have been obviously done before and, uh, you know, certain thought processes. You can see influences, like you say, Sin City, and there's a yeah. the noir thing, and it's anthropomorphic anthropomorphic animals of course you know which is always done but uh i love your take on it man i really do i i read it with a smile you know it, it, it was one of those reads you know
0: yeah and i can get it like i i'm not into the anamorphic dogs i probably wouldn't have normally bought it on the shelf but once you start writing it and seeing the world and doing it from that stuff it's so much fun to write these characters and then writing characteristics of an animal as well as the normal human personality. So I want this character to be like, let's say Andy Sandberg, but I also need it to be a dog. So what is a dog? (laughs) Sandberg?
1: (laughs) It definitely comes across that you enjoyed doing this man. As you're reading it, you're like, yeah, they had fun making this for sure.
0: Oh yeah. I, I try to make the artist write as many different animals as I can, whatever I think of, you know, Oh, I want a penguin. Oh, we need a walrus. Now we don't have a walrus. Uh weasels! we need a weasel.
1: <laughs> it's so different from other stuff you've done, too. I like that you are taking some real big leaps in your projects, like four dead bodies, and this is it's it's not at all. A similar vein, yet, you know, it's, it's, they're both very cool. I enjoyed them very, very much. And I, I like that you, you're, you're right up front with the Tarantino thing where I started reading the comic and I thought to myself, oh, this guy's a Tarantino fan. I turned the page and the next speech bubble was. Making a Tarantino reference. Yeah. Uh, and you, you totally put it right out there. You were like, yep, yeah, I'm a fan and it's going to be that kind of stuff. And it totally is, but it's definitely yours and it's quite enjoyable. You know?
0: Right. Well, and Tarantino's not doing it, right? He's writing westerns. So I, I have
1: to. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, they, they, they there was that, that that many year flash that we got all those cool type movies because once he you know hit the scene, there were so many copycats, and it has definitely died out over the years. So it, it's cool to to experience something in that vein again. You know, I was enjoying yeah, that I fact. Think
0: and, Baby Driver is like the only thing that's really kind of in the last couple of years that's been a hit. That kind of right, va- yeah,
1: yeah, oh. totally. And I really like uh, your focus on the dynamics of these two characters and their dynamic. It's something not explored in comics too often. You very often have a hero or uh, some sort of team. Like It has been done over the years, like Heroes for Hire and stuff, right. uh, but... I really like that your story is this focus on these two different guys who are then thrown together into this situation and, you know, how they, how they fucking deal with it. It's very, very, well, I don't want to, it's not how regular normal people would deal with (laughs) it maybe, but it's, it's definitely how these type gangster people would deal with it. Right. So I, I thought it was really cool that you, you didn't just do a Tarantino or like a cool like gangster kind of story. You actually focused on the dynamic between these two, you know?
0: Yeah. Broken four dead bodies came from uh have you ever read stray bullets?
1: I have uh, okay. not all of, but I have read a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah so yeah.
0: the first issue ends with, um, I can't even think of the guy's name right now, but the, the kind of retarded boy, he murders everybody and he's walking away from a trunk full of dead bodies.
1: Okay. Right. Right.
0: That's where it ends. And that's what inspired the story. I was just like, what do you do if you're broke down and you have a whole bunch of dead bodies on the side of the road? What that's do hilarious. you do, How do you handle it? Um, and I, I I'm really <laughs> good at dialogue. That's my strength. Um, I think that that's very evident in, uh, both broke down, both do- in dog days. Is dialogue is, is is my key? That's my strongest point. So I really, you know, focus on that and allow them to get into elevated situations.
1: I love to hear that. Uh, I love to hear you speak of your strength being your dialogue because it is absolutely excellent. It was uh, it was effortless. It was so easy to read, and I, I absolutely consciously noticed that as I was reading it. I was like, this is just flowing off the tip of my tongue. Like it's it's very very cool.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, dialogue has always been. um, When I was in film school, and I'm I'm not trying to brag, but I did. Majority of the projects that they wrote were my scripts, so I knew that I had something connected with me. Um, It was back in high in in college. You know, it was a lot more of. emulation right so this one's like kevin smith this is like you know all the directors that i like well
1: here that's you mentioned kevin smith though and as 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 much as his dialogue is amazing it's very kevin smith it's very not it's not the way people really talk but reading uh, your, your dialogue is absolutely the way people talk Like, that's what was so impressive about it, is it it was just so smooth. It was great.
0: Yeah, yeah. My wife helped me out a lot. Um, I had way too many fucks, so she reduced my levels of fucks, which was a little Uh, sad,
1: uh, because I like
0: maximum fucks. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I I showed you issue two. As you see, she hasn't edited that, so it has a full smorgasbord of fucks prior to
1: the, the... other words being added. <laughs> I thought the fucks were quite appropriate myself. Right. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it, I absolutely noticed that, that, uh, that it, it makes sense now that you say, yeah, it's a film thing. It's definitely, you're probably used to script writing, which is a whole other monster, right?
0: Yeah. I, what I love about comics versus um, film. So I, I was, even if I got into film, let's say, you know, Rose Reverse, and I actually got into film. I would never be a James Cameron. I'm not a guy who's like, oh, well, I want to have blue people in robots, so I'm going to add robots in that. If I can't do it, it's not going to be on film, right? <laughs> like, if I, right. I'm not going to ask someone to make what's in my head. Um, so in comics, that allows me to have a lot of freedom, right? So I, I script what I want it to look like, but then I kind of, it doesn't, as long as it looks at what I've described, I understand that they can't get into my head and it's a little easier versus a director's chair
1: when you sit down to to start the initial process is it does it look more like a script or are you thumbnailing or are you doing both
0: yeah no it's it looks like a script it looks like a film script it's it's almost my scripts are are very very uh film orientated so they're very little um, description per se. Um, when I when I give description, it's only for what's most important in the scene. But I kind of let the artists do their stuff. Uh, you know, I will occasionally say a camera angle that I want. But I found, you know, um, as most indie guys, we work with foreigners, um, and it's not because it's just because that's what we can afford. Like, let's right, be honest, yeah. this is what we can afford. So the more complicated I I write stuff, it it becomes more. So I have to dumb down my language when I write that stuff,
1: and then up it in the dialogue. (laughs) Right, right, makes sense. I think Bob Sally does something similar. The writer of Salvagers and uh, Ogre, yeah, Yeah, because he's
0: great. Did you read the whole thing?
1: Oh yeah, ogre's fantastic. It's uh, it's really cool. It's not what I expected. It's not what I thought it was gonna be. I don't like to say too much about it because it's so easily spoiled. But right. it is. But the
0: it's, concept it, itself, I think, is is pretty easy to spoil, right? Like you would not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just an ogre talking to a dead guy that he's hanging around with, and I love it. And I don't know why I love it, but
1: it's it's, it's fan it's a fantasy buddy cop right (laughs) it's 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 literally what it is it's totally an old school like Dungeons and Dragons type like like buddy cop thing and uh yeah no him and Sean Daly they 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 pulled together a fantastic uh thing out of that and uh he he has shown me some of his scripts in the past that he's very similar to like I read it I you know he showed it to me and I was initially I was like this totally looks like a film script like he's like yeah I write out my dialogue like this and this and that and you know, I guess it shows a writer who is willing to give that much trust in their artist as well, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that I fight back on, but I, I find most of my artists don't seem to have a problem with it. There's a couple of things that I'm, uh, you know, a stickler on, on making sure things are right, and especially when I write something like Broke Down in Four Dead Bodies. So, um, I mean, I think it doesn't spoil anything to say there's a mystery with the case, right? So certain right. things have to be correct. So that's where, you know, I spend the most of my focus. Um, and since I have to make sure things are right and that continuity is right, and I jump around in continuity too, so i got to make sure my continuity is right because I have a four-year plan with these Broke Down characters. Okay. So, so yeah, so there's a four-issue miniseries, Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies. So that's that's the four-issue mini, and that tells completely that story. And then I'm going to do a series of one-shots. One is called Broke Down and Capped Out. It's a wrestling story. One is called Broke Down. <laughs> Broked Out and Patched In, which is a, a punk rock slash uh, biker gang story. Um and the other one I don't have a title for it, but it's a horror comic, you know, essentially is what it is. It's it's a horror kind of Jason comic, all set in that universe. Um, and then I'm gonna combine all these characters in my next art called Broke Down and Locked Up. So, you can guess that a lot of them get in prison, right?
1: <laughs> that is a cool idea, man, to make the one shots different genres. That's a very cool idea because it's these two guys from a particular genre who were right. thrown into, you know. Another. I like that, man. I'm looking forward to that. That's
0: yeah, cool. yeah. It'll be cool. Yeah. And then we'll have people pop up, right? So we'll have the Randys and Denvers and Mr. Washington and Miguel. They'll pop up in these other books. But there'll be new main characters. Oh,
1: so you oh, there'll be new main characters. Oh, that's yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those characters will pop up. And, uh, they'll, they'll pop up because the title of the series is really Broke Down. Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies is the first main one. Oh, okay. So, but then I add another tagline. So it's broke down and tapped out wrestling. Broke down and
1: patched in, which is you know bikers. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, that's rad, man. Are is all this uh, like? Because I know you've got a fairly large team. There's a lot of people working with you on all these different books, right? Yeah. <laughs> So how does it, how do you keep all that straight? How do you keep all these collaborators? You know, I know, I guess some stuff, you're not really the man in charge. You're just part of the, another cog in the wheel, right?
0: Yeah. For for Evelzine, that guy runs everything. And um, for, so for Dog Tays that he runs that whole, whole project. So I'm just a cog in the wheel. I just wrote it. I am doing a lot of the marketing uh, because that's just the way he does his business. Um, And if it funds, I get my own series by him where he pays my artists. Which is a huge benefit for anybody. What? I'm like,
1: that's, a, right? that's a crazy deal. So please, anybody
0: who's listening to this, give me $5 on Dog Days. I need it so I can get more books paid for. Please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I've got a fantastic record as far as Kickstarters appearing on this show and then being successfully funded. All right, good. So it's not 100%, but it's in the high 90s.
0: Right, no, and
1: it's, 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 that's because all you fine comic loving people out there are such wonderfully supportive folk who will, you know, dish out a few shekels for dog days. Because I'm telling you, take it from the Jedi Ross, this book is a lot of fun. It's very, very cool, and so's uh breakdown. Like I, I'm loving everything that you're doing. I'm, I'm. My only regret is that it hasn't come across my eyes before now. And, uh, you know, hopefully our conversation here gets it out to the world. But uh, you really are. You're doing some very cool stuff, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And as you see, I sent you issue two. So a lot of people are to see that. But issue two is done. I'm really just holding it off just because of all the other stuff going on. You know, um, the other comic that I have out, I don't – so the other Kickstarter that's live right now is called The Advocator. Have you heard about that yet?
1: I have noticed you – Put a so, thing or two of So, yeah, that. let yeah. me tell you
0: about The Advocate. The Advocate is really dope, and it was kind of my brainchild with Rob Anderson. So, here's what it is. So, we have all these people making comics.
1: Oh, this is the anthology thing, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this, yeah, yeah.
0: This anthology thing, what it is, is we take existing franchises and we put them in a book to help us make table at these cons. Really is what it is. Because if I have one comic broke down in four dead bodies, Someone's gonna give me five dollars. If I'm lucky they buy the special edition for twenty. But that's it, right? Like I can't sell them something I don't have. I can maybe sell them all my covers. And I have. Right. But for indie people, you know, when you're at an indie table, you're kinda just trying it out. You know, you're not a fan yet. You just kinda wanna try it out. So you're probably gonna get five bucks out of the average person. Right. Nothing wrong with that, it's just reality. Yeah, yeah. So what The Advocator does is it takes your franchises. So we took successfully successfully funded Kickstarters from last year. So the five that we chose for buying was Broke Down in Four Dead Bodies. Is a new four-page story in there. Welcome to the Void by Chuck Pino. He's like the indie darling, if you haven't heard about him.
1: I believe uh, I have. Sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Void is kind of cool. Um, we took Binary Star, which is by Jamie. She's flew under the radar of like – talked about but she raised five thousand dollars just on her own she she does this uh little star wars type bounty god damn book. yeah you'll love it you'll love it it's called binary star you can read it free online she's got four pages in that
1: where can i read that free online
0: it's called binary stars online just
1: google binary star and yep. it'll yep. come up there Hold on. yeah I'm it's actually, like a, I'm it's, literally i'm writing that down because that's my bag baby
0: yeah it's your bag yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah it's kind of like um they kind of look like – have you ever watched Stargate? Yeah. So it's kind of like the Wraith. Remember in Stargate Atlantis? Yeah, like yeah. The yeah. Wraith, and it's kind of like there's this bounty on these guys, and they're, you're kind of in this universe. But she's really, really good. She puts that out in trade. She gives you the stuff for free, you know, uh, the issues. And then she just asks you to buy the trade when it's all together. She's got a great fan base. She's killing it on the Advocator because we have special covers. She's got like six, and everybody else has two sold.
1: right on where's she out of
0: uh she is out of um like chicago area
1: okay chicago that's dan doherty territory right (laughs) right on sorry that's how i place my areas it's the only way i know the united states of america i place it i have like a creator who'll represent certain areas right you know what i mean i think we've got grimwood
0: crossing i don't know if you ever talked to connor um grimwood crossing he's got two volumes of his book out Um, and then Joseph,
1: no, what's that about?
0: So Grimwood Crossing is, uh, like a cowboy, um, zombie book. Ooh. So, uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. He's got, got his own little universe. He came out with two full trades, full stories and successfully funded. And Joseph, uh, he did, uh, Dr. Orange earlier this year and like the Halloween time. Okay. Um, so all those guys connected and we put out this anthology of their existing franchises. So you'll get a four page broke down and four dead body story as well as their franchises. So it kind of helps build our franchises and that's what it is. We don't take any control and all we do and nobody gets any money. It's just, you get printed copies of your book.
1: That's a great idea. It's very simple. It's a table filler. It fills out your table a little bit. I mean there's nothing ever wrong with having one more thing on your table, right?
0: Exactly, and because you didn't pay for it, it can be used as either promo or as a throw-in. It can be used whatever you want to help you promote your stuff. So we've decided to do it seasonally, and we target people. And anybody who listens to this podcast, if you have a successful Kickstarter, the rules are you have to have a successful Kickstarter, and you have to go to a convention this year. That's it. Um just one? Just one. <laughs> I don't care what it is. You just gotta go to Those one. Those are low expectations. Man. Right. Um <laughs> and then you can you can put a four page story in this book. You know, we obviously kind of figure out who go fits in whatever issue. But yeah, that's that's all it is, man, and you can be part of this. And so happens.
1: the Kickstarter just covers the cost of printing? That that's basically all that's, that's for? That's yeah, all it yeah. is.
0: It's just printing, nobody's like get any money, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna throw it all the backers are gonna get their stuff. And then whatever's left over from the print run gets shipped out to us. And it's all handled from a third party. So it's not like Travis has the money or one of the leaders. We're giving it to like a crack in print and say, you guys handle the fulfillment. You guys handle everything. So nothing right. hits us. We just make sure it's done before
1: it goes live. That's super fun. That's, yeah. that's, that's a neat idea. I like that. That's That's just, you know, some artists donating their time and their efforts to help each other and We'll That's what we share. should all be doing out there, right?
0: It's sharing audiences, right? You know, it's it's allowing my my audience to see their stuff and their audience to see my stuff.
1: Oh, for sure. And you got to know how to play these shows. I mean, at the very top of our conversation, we were talking about knowing shows and which to do and which are worth it. And, you know, you have to know those little intricacies, too. And you got to have things on your table. It's why, you know you know we're so affiliated around here with the Sourcepoint Press family is yeah. because they're grinders they're at the shows they're not just trying to sell their own books they're at the table selling all of their books they're selling each other's books and you know helping each other is what's going to give you a presence at a con that you're going to stick out you know and people are going to get to know you as they go to different shows and I, there was a great uh, who is it today uh, actually Bob Sally speaking the devil I think it was today he posted online, uh, encouraging people to go to other cities and try other cities' conventions, yeah. and you know, get the word out there. And it, it, it's great advice, you know. It's hell. Come on up to Canada. Skip countries if you want, you know. It's that's
0: my plan. Uh, Jerome is like really. Jerome has been such a benefit to my to to work down in four bodies. I can't do it without him. Like right. he is such he he adds to it. He has ideas. He wants to be part of the team. And that's what I love about Canada as a general. Like, I know they have this, everyone's nice in Canada, but I really find it like you guys tend to actually give a shit about the projects that you guys are part
1: of. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a culture here and it's a cool culture where comic book culture has been part of Toronto since the beginning, Right. right? Like Superman was partly birthed out of the city of Toronto. And it's, it's been constant since then. So, I'll give you an example of how weirdly entwined all this stuff is. Okay. Okay. Uh Ty Templeton. Okay. You're familiar with Ty Templeton, of course. yes? Yeah. Okay, now, Ty Templeton, he lives in the area and a uh, long-storied career. Now, Ty Templeton's parents were also of a famous nature. Ty Templeton's father invented televangelism with Billy Graham. Okay. So they were best buddies and they invented televangelism together. He then decided that he was an atheist several years later, moved back to Canada, and became a very successful television producer. He produced his wife, Ty Templeton's mother's, uh variety show here in Canada because she was like a famous Canadian singer actress and they used to have dinner with the Prime Minister and famous Canadian celebrities, right? So there's an old TV show called Wayne and Schuster, and it's basically the Smothers Brothers of Canada. Okay. One of the guys is Frank Schuster. So I'm interviewing Ty Templeton one time, we're having a chat on the show, and I ask him, I've always heard this rumor that Frank Schuster of Wayne and Schuster uh, is in fact cousins with Joe Schuster, creator of, uh, co-creator of Superman. Is that true, Ty Templeton? And Ty Templeton said, yes, absolutely true. Uh he heard it from Frank Schuster's mouth himself when he was a young wee child or a kid or whatever. And uh you know, so that's a cool so that's kinda so growing out of that, we've got this certain level of uh, uh the Ty Templetons, the Ken Lashley's, right. the David Finches, the Jason Faybox, uh the Dave Rosses, the Leonard Kirks. Right. Th- these guys are all playing at the top of the field. And they're all in the area. And Ty Templeton himself has a comic book boot camp that's been going for years. And half the creators coming out of here have gone through this guy's boot camp. So guys like Adam Gorham, you know, Jim Zub, Chip Zdarsky. Like all, all these people I just named all live within 45 minutes of each other. That's crazy. Pretty much. Yeah, it's fucking insane. And the amount of schools we have, like Sheridan College and art galleries and just opportunities, it it is such fertile ground here for growing comic book creators that I just had a chat with Adam Gorham the other day. And we were talking about how in a lot of places around North America, if he lived in a town, like a smaller town, he would be like the shit. He'd be like the top dog. He'd be like a celebrity. But here, he's like level two. You know know what I mean? So we were talking about how that keeps him humble. The fact that he's surrounded by all this incredible, you know, this huge legacy of creators who are there sharing their wealth. So there has just been this weird special uh, tradition that has been going over the decades through Toronto, way back from the creation of Superman in a way, you know, with that happening and directly touching Ty Templeton's life all the way up to now where, you know, you've got them on top. You've kind of got your Gorham level. I look at it and then you've got like your Sean Daly's, right? And your right. A. Shea Hans and these guys who are going to be making huge waves in the independent scene. So I'm getting a little lost on why I got on all of this, but <laughs> well, I mean, I know I was explaining basically. we yeah, the, were the talking great, about
0: uh, Jerome, how like his, his influence and his desire to help. You know, he really wants. Yeah, it's the a Canadian
1: project. thing. Yeah, yeah he wants sure. the
0: project to succeed, um, yeah. and it's so rare, especially as writers. Right, we hire these artists; they're done, they're moved on to their other project. Um, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, but he loves it. He loves broke down. Like I posted today, I posted a cover for issue three that I did a mock like lettering and stuff. He's like, you need to fire whoever did that lettering because <laughs> it's unacceptable. I was just like I, because I I felt today I'm so busy promoting everything else. I needed to promote some broke down. I was just like, I can't I can't keep saying dog days over and over again. I need to to remember what why what I'm doing. Yes, here's some broke yeah. down. <laughs> Um, it's beautiful like love love my stuff
1: (laughs) well that's great that he loves it too though man it's so much better working with someone who's just not an artist for hire but they they have a, a certain amount of passion for the project at least right like yeah
0: yeah no absolutely if i ever did he's definitely my second in command like he could he's i uh allowed him to choose we have a backup artist for issue two i was like please pick this guy i've got it down to three (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, and really, you know, we've done some really cool stuff. Um, I'm super blessed with the first issue that came out. Um, you know, it's been really good. The cons have really loved it. People are really picking up because there's nothing like it on the shelf. There's no crime right now, like pure crime. There's crime with a twist. But this is pure crime. There's no, yes, there's a twist with the the, the case but there's not going to be some supernatural gem that's going to bring your supervillain you know it's all right modern you know crime stuff that's it
1: <laughs> yeah i know you're right there's not <clears throat> a lot of that going on at all so it's very rad uh to talk a little bit about the rest of the team because it seems like you've got a whole shitload of people involved and everything
0: yeah, yeah yeah so i got felix Navarra. felix Navarra uh for broke down he is working on uh he's he does all the art he's been working on this project since i inception so this originally came out in like 2005. He did like a whole bunch of pages, and then he had a kid, much like I had a kid. He had a kid and was like, "Hey, I can't finish the project. I really need to, to figure out what I'm doing. You know, I'm not getting the pages fast enough." And I was, you know, I was so stubborn at the time that I was like, "If you're not finishing it, I'm not doing it." Because he was like my third artist that I had worked with, on it. right. Uh, so I was just done. And like most project, everybody who's done indie has a story. Your first project, your it, when you get to the sixth artist, that's who's going to finish it. Um, but um, I messaged him, you know, my wife. God bless her. You know, I met with her. My wife, my wife. I, I moved into the house. We got married. and I started hanging up my old comics. And she was just like, what are these? I was like, oh, I used to do comics. And she's like, oh, okay. So I showed her a folder. And I realized when I went through the folder that I had a complete first issue. Nice. Like it was completely done, 24 pages.
1: And now, like, why did I ever publish this? Right, exactly. <laughs> why is this not published? Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah.
0: so I took it, um, I made it thirty pages, I added some extra pages, I you know, I fixed some of the dialogue because it was written as you know, a young twenty year old and now, you know, I'm closer to forty. So right. I, I redid some of the dialogue and, and some of the story elements of what I was trying to tell. Um and then I produced it and put it out. Um so that's that's my team there. Uh, Davey Camaros, he's a famous um, colorist. He does um, Evil Dead. He does a couple of other uh, like high-end, you know, uh, properties for IDW. I went nice. had him do the covers. Carl um, Molin, he's a friend of mine locally. He's uh, so he's most famous for Buffy. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, he created the character of Frey. Do you know who Frey Wh- is?
1: No, no. Who's So Frey? Frey
0: is a comic character. So in the last season of Buffy, Buffy has this cool-ass axe. That axe was was created by him and Josh Whedon called Frey. It's like a futuristic Buffy. Um, so he created that. So that was really, really cool. Okay. Um, so he, he came along and gave me cutthroat prices to do a cover. So I have a pro cover, so that's really cool.
1: Nice.
0: Um. So that's that. And JDW, J.W. Uh, Sims, just a guy I met through the Comics Tribe network. You know, I'm sure you know Tyler. No, you don't know Comics Tribe, like Sync in like uh, Red De- Red Ten.
1: I do not. Do you like horror comics? I like uh, the only ones I ever really read are Source Points. <laughs> you need to read Sync. It's literally
0: the it, it's my choice for best comic of last year. All right, sink.
1: How's called? Like called sink. Sink. S oh, sink. Like sink. Like kitchen sink. Like kitchen sink. Yep. Or sinking into the depths of hell.
0: Yeah. So this it's about this this basically folk tales about this town, um, and he's kind of put him in and created this like crazy universe with clowns and like this guy wearing a wolf mask and killing people and like people wear condoms on their head. It's really ridiculous. Uh, but it's really, really good. Um, highly recommend. Um, and I love SourcePoint too, man. Like SourcePoint in Florida because Bob Sally's here. Is he here?
1: No, no he's in Boston.
0: Okay. Yeah, he's about – I'm from New England, so I get confused because I go there so often.
1: Right, right, There people right. are
0: because Josh Dahl's in Boston too. Okay.
1: He is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But
0: SourcePoint's huge down here. We, we do really well with with the SourcePoint stuff. And Scout is down here, so we do a lot with Scout.
1: Nice, isn't it cool that after eight years of doing this show and the probably hundreds of people I've interviewed and had conversations with, there's still so many more to meet right. and hear about that I have no idea about. And, you know, it's it's neat, especially like in Canada, it's a little more uh, enclosed because there's just so there's so fewer of us, right? Like it's easier to know everybody because there's just not as many across the country, but each, each state in is like its own country. And it's like each state's got its scene going on and I'm just having to slowly work through them over the years. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Um, I'm really excited about, um, you know, working with people like I want to work with Sean so bad. I'm definitely going to hire him for a cover. Who's uh, sean daly um, yeah sean daly i I love his stuff he he has such a unique look to it yeah um, and he, yeah. he kills it out of the park every time um and his monsters are great if i ever had a monster book like i, I don't know if you've ever seen his art book with the uh, monsters are so good
1: i have the only person whose more art i probably own of than his is probably jay Fosgate. okay and sean so i started this podcast in 2011 september 2011 and the following year went to fan expo or maybe a year after that uh went to fan expo oh okay sorry i was on twitter first and i had gotten the show on twitter and i was following some indie toronto comic artists and i come across this guy sean daly And I'm like, oh, this seems pretty interesting. And then I went to a fan expo a little bit later. And I met him. And he had just quit making music to concentrate on making comics, which he had never done before. Yeah. Before, maybe five years ago, six years ago, Sean Daly had never picked up a pencil and drawn a picture. He'd never even really tried. And then one day, just decided... Instead of music he wanted to do art. And turns out he's quite capable at the task, right? Right. And it was really cool because we hit it off. Nobody had any idea who he was. Nobody had any idea who I was. And we didn't care. We were like, screw it, we're gonna we're gonna do this. He's like, I'm gonna make comics and I was like, and I'm going to interview all these people who make comics. Right. And we kind of came up together. So seeing him now after he helped me get, you know, my name out there and vice versa and seeing it now is it's I'm just so happy for him. And I'm so happy for everybody that's getting to work with him because he is just he's a treasure. Not only is he talented, but he's one of the single nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your entire life. Like he's too polite for a Canadian. Like, you know, like Canadians make fun of him for being too nice. That's what a good guy he is.
0: Well, yeah. Well, and he, what I love about it is his art shouldn't work in comics, right? I remember when no, I No, not at all. When I, when I first read it, I read um, him and um, Josh Dahl's – what is it? Uh, Horizon – what is that comic called? Below Zero um, – what is it called?
1: Uh, well, Below Zero is him and Sean Langley. Isn't it? No. Yeah. Isn't okay. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Daly did uh, Samurai Grandpa what? with with uh, Eastern Diverna, okay, and, and he did Terraquil, which yeah. was his own creator thing, right. the, right. the Bridge right. Builders right. Creed and I, stuff. I got, I got yeah. the two Shans messed up in my head. Which people do often? Sean Daly and Sean Langley, both very nice, awesomely talented dudes. Uh, and oh, I, I should oh, can I can I say this? I don't know if I should say this. That's it. okay. I, I, I can partly say some of this without giving too much away. You can away, delete but, uh, it
0: before you put it live if you don't want to say it.
1: Ah, screw it. <laughs> uh, Kids, remember that huge, giant smash success of a comic book over the last year called The Rejected? I heard about it. Well, The Rejected 2 is very, very, very close to existence. Ooh. And we won't have to wait too terribly long, wrong, long to get our hands on the rejected 2 which is entirely drawn by Sean Langley wow. and i am i am i can't even tell you how excited i am to see him i'm sure he's going to kill it this is so up his alley i think he's absolutely going to murder this comic book so uh, I'm really happy to see that uh, that coming out. But as far as Sean Daly, yeah, man, try to work with him if you can. He's he's uh, he's just the greatest dude. So yeah,
0: no, I love his. I love the like the the kind of animated kind of. I love his pencil colors. I think it's really really cool.
1: It is. It, it is true though. I've never actually heard anybody put it that way. But his art shouldn't work in in comics no, the way that it does. Should it?
0: It, it should. <laughs> like like I should not be interested in picking up that because. Because it's it's very different from everything in the shelf, and it feels it feels independent. But the minute you open it up and look at the detail that he puts into a page, especially when you look at Ogre, you're like, this guy is is not faking it. Like this guy is super talented. There's tons yeah. of detail in this. It's it's just a style, and it's a style that is not traditional, but it, it really really works. I would love to see uh, his work uh, with some more traditional like modern color you know
1: it would be interesting he's just uh he's just the watercolorist at heart that's yeah, the sure thing. it's it he's always got the messiest table at the con because it's just covered in water and paint and, right <laughs> and, and rags and stuff you know and we have to yell at him because he likes to give his art away for free all the goddamn time I but hate, uh hate that. it's it, it it's a bit of a canadian thing too it's it's hard to you got to stand out when you're in you know such a lush pond and there's it's a very uh toronto creator toronto artist thing to have a very unique style okay uh, especially right now there's a lot of people trying to do a lot of things different they're just uh, just 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 to push the envelope just to keep the art evolving uh you know it's it's taken so serious here that there's people always trying to do different things uh you know and it's, it's the same thing with adam gorham yep. uh you know you see a lot of adam gorham's art you wouldn't immediately think you know that that guy belongs in comic books the way that he does fit you know yeah. but you find the right thing like new mutants and it, it fits his edgy you know street style like perfectly right like
0: yeah, did you ever see like I think it was last month or the month before Emily Kubert had uh, something up from the famous Kuberts?
1: Uh, I know I didn't see what
0: she have up. Yeah, she so she has her first comic that went launched, and you know when you're a Kubert, like you have a style, you know that you're supposed to follow. You know there's rules for these things, right? Uh, right. And she went completely in the opposite direction. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah. And I mean, this girl has everything going for her. She's got the background of the name. She's very talented. She's pretty, you know, she has everything she needs to be in comics and she decides to go her own unique style. Uh, I loved it. I was fascinated by it that she, I made have to that check choice.
1: that out. Yeah. 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 She yeah, she yeah. Completely
0: don't, There's no, cause you could tell the difference between Joe and Adam, but you could tell that they, they're family members and that they taught each other and stuff, but she goes in a completely different direction.
1: I love the evolution when people try stuff. I have an old issue of Quasar. Okay. And, uh, it's drawn, it's, it's (laughs) drawn by Greg Capullo. Okay. And it is so far away from anything he's done in the past 10 years that you would in no way believe that this was Greg Capullo. If you didn't know already that, you know, he did his thing back then when he was trying to fit the 80s style or the 90s style, you know, uh, but, You know, if you put his art up against what he's done now, it's incomparable. It's unbelievable how different he is. Well, remember, he he, he was
0: forced to be a Spawn clone, right? He was supposed to be... Yeah. He he was forced to look like Todd McFarlane for such a long time. Um,
1: I think that's part of the reason his Batman has such a simplified look. Yeah, sure. He kept it very, very simple. I mean, not that he didn't put tons of detail in there. It's almost like... Uh, because of the way that him and Snyder did that run, and and Scott's writing, it was, it, you know, Gotham became such a main character in 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 that iteration of Batman that there was often so much more time spent on the details of the background that you know he needed to have a simplified way of doing his Batman because he was going to be spending so much time. Drawing the details into insane other nonsense. Well, yeah, you know
0: especially I mean? with – I mean he was doing the Court of Owls stuff and I mean that stuff was amazing, right? Right? That I mean think about Court of Owls. Like we, we underestimate that. You added a whole level to Batman's continuity, which hasn't been done in years, and no one got mad.
1: No, in fact, everyone was so happy what? about it that within a couple of years, it was already turned into an arc on television. Right. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Is there any chance you watched Titans? Uh, I have not watched Titans yet. No. I, definitely... I haven't talked about this on the show yet, but I need to express something. Maybe I did. I don't remember if I did, but forgive me for just letting this out for a moment right. to all you fine people out there. Uh, Travis is going to bear with me but the last episode of Titans the season finale for season 1 i'm going to say i'm going to say this and i've i've been thinking about it for weeks since i watched it so you right to sta- say this right. i will stand behind this statement it is the single greatest episode of comic book television in the history of said television it is epic it is brilliant it is mm. it is i uh, <laughs> i have been trying to find ways to describe it
0: at, at time all television i'm trying to think of all of of tele-
1: comic book television yeah, yeah, i'm trying
0: to think of comic book television
1: yeah mm. it's uh you know like you know i know there were certain single episodes of stuff that were probably good but you know how you more look at things like it was a good series or a good moment this is an episode that stands up there with all those unique one-shot Batman stories right. like The Dark Knights even though, you know, pretend that's not a trilogy for now, sure. but you know, you know all those all those individual arcs even, you know, your Long Halloween and your Hush and everything. And this is so well done. Jeff Johns so nailed this shit that it belongs up there with one of those classic Batman one-shot stories. And at times, I could not believe that I was, that I that it wasn't a movie like I forgot I was watching TV. That's how well it was done. yeah I mean
0: cause and... the only one that I can think of in recent memory of at uh, single episodes people talked about was the first Daredevil Punisher meetup um you know in in season two of Daredevil when they're meeting right. up and he's he's fighting in the hallway and they do the classic. He's, you know, taped up and he's trying to talk yeah. and uh, stand, up. but that's straight out of the comics, so it's not an original concept. It's just, you know, done for television.
1: That's what – that's another cool thing. This is not out of the comics. Right. It is – it's in the vein of how some of the comics have been done. But the cool thing is, too, even though it fits the rest of the season, it can be watched as a standalone episode. So, if anybody out like you'll you'll be a little confused about the the very ending of it, sure, because you know if you haven't watched the whole season, but it really doesn't matter as far as just the single story that's told throughout this episode. I'm encouraging everybody try to tell me if I'm wrong and i i will I will discuss the situation with you, but I have a lot of oomph for this because it was it was incredible it was it was you know. But I shouldn't be shocked. It was you know, Jeff Johns is Jeff Johns for a reason. You know, yeah, whether yeah. you like whether you like him or not, he's who he is for a reason. I you know
0: like him. He he single handedly recreated a whole universe for Green Lantern and made that character relevant for years with with little effort. Nobody has to do anything. He he made everything matter for for that.
1: <laughs> Dude, that little movie out right now called Aquaman that's about to make a billion dollars right? It is pure Throne of Atlantis. Yeah. No, it I, is I really, pure New 52.
0: I, I loved it. And it even, like, I, I just finished, did you read Drowned Earth? No. Uh, uh, it, it ties in with, with what's going on modern. I love when comics do it right, because you, you always get that bullshit story. Like, Venom's out. So you're going to have a story that's connected to the movie. You know, right. You're going to have something. But Drowned Earth uh, really, really worked. Uh but no I felt that what I liked about Aquaman is it it wasn't complicated uh, but it felt like every Aquaman story you've ever read right
1: Yes yeah, uh,
0: yeah and it and it was very Jeff Johns right and very comic booky they told they gave you so much information about Aquaman movie that you don't need but it shows that there's a bigger world
1: Right <laughs> My only complaint was I'd I'd say you could cut a half hour off that guy uh, it was a little, it felt a little long and, not, and I'm not saying any, just, you know, a little bit of oceanness here and there could have been, you know, maybe snipped out. That was my only thing was I, near the end. I was like, I was real, I was loving it. I was having fun, but my ass hurt and I don't like when I'm in the seat long enough that my ass starts to hurt.
0: Yeah. Well, and yeah. you can tell the DC does really well, like love it or hate the Green Lantern movie. That world was created properly, right? The Green Lantern world was right. It was just yeah, the way yeah. they put things together and the villain they chose yeah. and Hector Hammond. Those are the problems.
1: That's w- a very good point. Very good uh, point.
0: But they did, they've done a really good job. And I will even say better than Marvel because if you look at Thor... You watch that first Thor movie, you don't really get an understanding of what Asgard works or how the politics. In fact, we still haven't even seen half the major characters in Thor continuity, and we have three movies. True. Um, True. Yeah. So, so yeah. when you look at that, DC does a way better job of giving you the information and building your universe and not holding back, where Marvel goes the opposite. We're going to hold back. We're not going to give you that yet. We're, we're, we're going to give you that when we're good and ready where DC's like no this is our universe we're going to give you all that stuff i want you to think and have questions about ocean master and 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 black manta and who their parents were and how it, how it all all goes together That's- i
1: just think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how it unfolds now that this movie and wonder woman are so damn successful they're going to i feel like they're forced into doing flashpoint at this point to reboot everything because there's no way they're gonna to want to let those two go. Yet they're probably gonna need a new Batman at least, if not a new Batman and a new Superman. So they're gonna to have to do something funky to make this work. But I like the idea also that they were like, you know what, fuck it, we're DC, we'll do Elseworlds. They don't all the movies don't have to connect, and I have no problem with that because I'll take as many versions of Batman as you wanna give me. Yeah,
0: you know? no, I have no problem with that. Um and what I loved about like Suicide Squad, a lot of people didn't like Suicide Squad. But it was unique, right? Marvel has been giving you the same type of movie. Hero in a hero situation, you know, fights villain. Done. Suicide Squad was, no, we're going to give the bad guys a focus. And we're going to give a whole bunch of them and give a whole bunch of characters and we're going to make it fun. Yeah, it didn't work. But at least they tried.
1: I thought it worked all right. I was so impressed by Will Smith in that movie. I can't even tell you. I thought he did so much better than I expected. Yeah. He was really real. Like he got inside Floyd Lawton, and you know he made him a fucking character, like a real fucking thing. And I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I I agree with that. I mean, the ending, the CG. The problem is the CG in the ending, really. Uh, even Joker didn't bother me. It, yeah, it's not the best interpretation, but if you've read comics long enough, it's not the worst interpretation of Joker I've seen. So no,
1: and and, and we. <laughs> barely got to see any of it what? that's what's unfair to me i don't think like i can see why he wouldn't be pissed off because i really want to see more of what he could have done with that joker i think it was going a very interesting way
0: yeah that those are my two big comebacks is the joker and then the other one is electro everybody gets mad at the electro movie i was like read a fucking electro comic they're really bad so it's exactly after the movie <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's par for the course, you know. Uh, one of the cool things uh, 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 Canadian was with uh, with Scott Pilgrim is, you know, that was such a fantastic translation of that comic book. But if anybody out there ever wants to really, really know what Toronto is kind of all about, all you have to do is watch Scott Pilgrim, and you know, the whole thing is exactly life in toronto in a way it's like you know without girls and feeling powerful. well no without <laughs> without the uh without the you know the coins and the, and the sword fights and stuff but i mean all those clubs are real clubs right. and real places and there's just a you know a canadian feel to it that uh what's the fucking author's name who fucking did scott pilgrim Bra- o'malley is it leo brian o'malley oh, brian the, leo the, the director no, the, the guy who did the comics.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I don't think. know who did that.
1: I think it was Brian Lee O'Malley or yeah. Brian O'Malley or something like that. But either way, yeah, but Edgar Wright did such a beautiful job of translating that shit that uh, I just like to point that out to people once in a while that, honestly, if you want to see what Toronto's like, <laughs> fucking I can watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world.
0: Yeah, I I have been to Canada, but I, it's, I drove my uh, – so back in the day I drive my ski-mobile – I would, snowmobile, I would drive it across the border and have a beer, you know, at 18.
1: Hours. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of uh, course, but that was of the course.
0: extent. It's a small bar that was near the American border that I drove to uh, of what I've seen of Canada.
1: Oh, I love hearing the stories from the border kids. That's like all the kids in Michigan too, right? Right. they just dump over the river over into uh, Windsor for the night. And that's where everybody celebrated their their younger birthdays. <laughs> right,
0: right. It's It wasn't a big deal. It's all we did. It was fun.
1: Yeah, now everybody's gonna come over the border, so they get their hands on some of the some of the ganja. Actually, that's not true because Michigan actually just voted it legal recreationally. It's most so. of the states
0: here now, so it's not you know, and most of the northern states that are close to Canada anyway. So it's
1: hmm, it is go it's figure, nice.
0: eh? <laughs> Except for you know, you guys can't even. I your post office goes on strike, and you still deliver mail. That was fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a. Uh, they they somehow made a deal, but it was a rotating strike. So only certain areas got mail for certain weeks. <laughs> so ridiculous. I, I went to, I went two weeks without mail, man. Like nothing, not a drop in my thing. People were like, should I send you this? I'd be like, don't even bother. I'm not going to get it for a long fucking time. But, uh, thankfully it got cleared up and now everything seems to be rolling along. But, uh. You know, at least it's uh I don't think it's it's possible for our government to shut down so everybody does keep getting paid. <laughs> right. Well, you know, uh,
0: you know, our president's talking in thirty minutes, you know, probably about how it's all the Democrats' fault and that you know, Oh, that's
1: right, that's happening tonight. Right, isn't that's it? ha-
0: yeah, it's gonna happen. We're just gonna talk and about let it. Let me
1: tell you, man, it's it's a very, very interesting time to be non American. I would like to be not
0: american um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's just, it's, it's interesting to watch because, I mean, there's differences here in Canada. There's a right and a left, right? There's, you know, but it's just, it's not so nearly divided right. or angry or, but I mean, again, 30 million people in, I, I think Canada has 34 odd million people compared to the United States' 300-odd million people. Right. It's just an incomparable thing. And our system – I think a lot of people don't realize how different our countries are. Like, our systems of government are so vastly different. Like, I can't imagine having 50 states, 50 little countries that are all so unique to themselves – all fighting over what's going on
0: well and and money wise right like we the other problem in America is we have so much money um that we don't know what to do with it like we have some, the richest people in the world live here for the most part right. the majority yeah. of them yeah, and that causes its own problem too so we've we, there's nothing we we have all these various problems, and the people who get to make the decisions aren't necessarily that's best, you know most of the money lives out of Hollywood, which is very very liberal but they have a very twisted view of the way the world works because they see Hollywood version of the world, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's – because, you know, just like in Canada, like, like 70 to 80 percent of our population lives within like 200 miles of the U.S. border. Right. Like if – you know, when you look on a map and look at the people, the population, it's all spread all right along the bottom of the border there. And then when you look at the American one – It's all along the sides, right? Right. It's all California and New York are like fucking 80% of the goddamn
0: population. Yeah, yeah. The East Coast and the West Coast. That's it.
1: Yeah. Everything is so skewed and then all this little stuff in between. But all the little stuff in between is what matters because that's where the people are working hard on the comic books that are, you know, that need the most help to get out there. So people get on to Kickstarter and i guess it's under dog days yeah dog days uh is
0: the first one um that's like i said that's the one if it funds it gets me more projects with so help um if you want more broke down stories the advocators in there you can also go to broke down and four dead bodies.com if you want to order a copy of broke down and Four Dead bodies i've got air fresheners which are super cool like else I'll, I'll send you
1: um, <laughs> nice. one
0: of my stretch goals um but yeah, man, check it out. Uh, the the that Kickstarter will be out in March, uh, and I I expect a lot of good things because I've I've got a lot of positive views. People really dig that book, um, and I, I'm really really proud of it. Uh, Broke down fortune. You Palace.
1: should be, man. You should be. I I really really enjoyed it too. It was it took me back to something that I didn't realize I was missing. Yeah, it, uh, you know, so and then Dog Days was just fucking fun. I'm yeah, sorry, that book's you'll love fucking- it, and
0: it's complete, man. It's a complete graphic novel. So when you order, it, it's done. So you're not going right. to wait for something else. You're you're going to be complete story, um, and it's got some really cool stuff in it. There's a big twist at the end. So if you like fables, if you like kind of those twists that you didn't see coming. You're going to get that out of that book. Um, it's got a re- I'm really, really proud of the ending. I'm really, really proud of some of the stuff we've done. We've got some cool pledge levels. We've got the butcher edition, which is this cool butcher knife on a table. Uh, we're all bloodied up. So there's some cool right stuff on. there. I really recommend that. If you could throw a couple bucks that way, it would be awesome.
1: Very, very cool. Kids, do it. Get onto the Kickstarter and get around. You may be my first guest ever who has two – current kickstarters active
0: yeah i didn't mean to and the advocator again i'm not trying to undersell it but that's its its own thing it's it's working on its way to be funded and if you want more broke down stories or any of the other creative creative teams that i said earlier go ahead and pledge for that you know there is a broke down cover so if you're really a big fan of the broke down stuff that's actually drawn by my original broke down artist So uh, it's really cool. It's four pages that are drawn by the original person who did it. I found that art. I was like, hey, can I use it? So it's a backup story of Denver and Randy doing their first job together. Um, And hilariousness ensues. But you get my crazy dialogue and all that stuff.
1: Nice, nice, nice. And you got any shows coming up or anything? I
0: do. So I've got in Orlando, I've got uh, one coming on. Well, I've got a signing on the 16th at a comic store called Famous Faces and Funny. That's the, the largest one in Brevard County. Um, a lot of people may have heard of them. If you uh, do Bleeding Cool, they're a regular um, contributor to that site, so they're a big store. So I got a signing there on the 26th. I've got Orlando Toy and Comic. I'm going to be with Donnie Cates and a whole bunch of other cool people for that. Um, so and Donnie Cates is the the best guy in the world right now, right? He's he's comic royalty these days. Nice. <laughs> um, so we've got that. Um, I'm doing Megacon coming up. I just put my application in for Motor City because I want to do Motor City. Um, and that's all I got lined up right now. But we've got so many in Florida. I'll be mostly in Florida this year because i got a baby coming up. But I'm going to come up north for um, Boston Comic Con.
1: Right on. When's the baby due? Uh, April 11th. April 11th. That's exciting, yeah. man. Congratulations on that. Uh, that's always fun well, to look
0: 2020, forward to. Twenty twenty, I will be in Canada. I I want to be with Jerome. I want a table with Jerome, and I want to want to do stuff. So I promise.
1: Oh, we'll, we'll hook it up, man. We'll make it happen. That's part of the reason I also want to go out to MegaCon. Is uh, that's a that's an Informa show. That's technically a fan expo show now. Yeah. Yeah. So come uh, on, man. So like, I I know a few of the people involved in that situation. So we may have to see what we can do. Uh, last time I was in Florida, I was 16 years old. It was my birthday, and we went to Universal, and I had the single greatest day of my life. Right. It was so much fun. I couldn't even believe how much fucking fun I had that day. Still to this day, I think it was the most fun I ever had in my life. It was my day at Universal for my 16th well, birthday. Well, it was dude, absolutely crazy.
0: Let's, let's think about it. Star Wars world is going to be opening around that time when Mega. Oh, comes. God. So if that's not a reason to come down to, to see Star Wars world, well, I know you're a Star Wars fan. Um, <laughs> I can even bring you my wife and I are also Star Wars fans. Um, so we've got tons of Star Wars stuff at my house. Also, uh, my pastor. Uh, one of my pastors literally has more action figures than I've ever seen. He has every action figure from Star Wars from creation all around his house. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> now that's the kind of church I could have a have a turn at. You yeah, know we're what a I Star mean?
0: Wars church. I I, <laughs> most of us have Star Wars tattoos or Star Wars something, you know.
1: Very cool. Um, Travis, this was a very fun time. Yeah, I'm glad we got it. together and did this. Hopefully uh you make it out to Motor City. Because that would be, I think, my next best opportunity to actually get to meet you and shake your hand in person. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you are welcome back anytime, my friend. Awesome. If you want to just come back and talk some Star Wars shit sometime, we can always do that as well. But for now, kids, get on to the Kickstarter. Check out Broke Down and Four Dead Bodies and uh, Dog Days and The Advocate and everything going on with Travis. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Uh, very good kids. That is all we are going to have this week on an elegant weapon. Take it easy.